0: Okie-dokie, that's how we get on. <laughs>
1: right, we are go. So, hello everyone and welcome to this podcast. This is the demo uh, that we're going to do uh, just to see whether or not A, we can do it and B, whether you're interested. So I suppose we should crack on and say who we are.
0: Yeah, what a great introduction. So, Andrew Andrew Cutts, Uh I'm a Earth Observation enthusiast uh, and I'm a freelancer who's keen to uh, play around with space data, but as we might discuss, I'm more sold on the idea of it being geospatial data than a focus on space data. And I know you, uh, Alistair, because of your company, Jogger.
1: Yes, so I'm Alistair Graham, and I have been messing about with image data of one sort or another for about 20 years. And I basically just like anything that is rasterized and taken from a vertical viewpoint. So I play around with UAVs. In my past, I've been uh, part of a company that's collected aerial imagery from aircraft. I've had a ton of roles where I've been using satellite imagery and I now run my own business called Jogger, as you said, supplying all sorts of services um, for people who want to get as much information, usually around land cover, out of their imagery uh, and to learn more about satellite data.
0: But you still like vector data, right? Even though you're, uh,
1: you're I do, there. although I, I've recently come to the conclusion that I'm never going to be as good at um, postgis as some of the people out there.
0: You know, you know, when you get a bit of vector work, you're not like, oh, vector.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'll definitely use it if I have to.
0: <laughs> I, I know, I know too many people in the GIS world who are like, I don't do rasters. This is not, you know, I've got a great tool, but I, I don't do rasters, so. It's refreshing to talk about raster data, isn't it? I think
1: definitely, yeah, and I think there's so much of it uh, around at the moment, and so much of it is open, so you can just get a hold of it and you can you know start playing around with it um, but hopefully, what we'll do through this podcast is really try and get people to understand that it's a data source rather than just a pretty picture and Although you can create those nice pictures, you should be aware of what it is you're doing with that data source,
0: yeah, right. So, I mean, 1st of December today, the big thing that's happened today, I think, in the world that we both operate in is we have the release of the first images from Sentinel-5P. And this is uh, uh, one of the Copernicus sensors. And it's, uh, I think it was launched in October time, mid-October. And they've, they've finally now, ESA finally delivered their, their first image. And there's and today I've seen a really, really nice image of. Uh, volcanic eruption in Bali um, as well as uh, I think they've also released some data over Europe so this is a real um, I mean I've I've written a little bit about Sentinel 5P in the past and I think this is a real sort of uh, game-changer and once Sentinel 4 which is a more um, I think it's a geostationary satellite over Europe comes up this is going to be a real powerful atmospheric uh, monitoring tool so you get yeah. you touch this stuff, or are you? Um. So I I deal with the Sentinel
1: two a lot at the moment. I'm I really want to try and get my hands on some Sentinel three so I can play around with that. I'm sure in a future episode of this podcast we'll be talking about Sentinel, um, and the Copernicus program because there's some amazing stuff that's coming out of there, and the fact that it's all being opened is just it's absolutely brilliant. Um, Yeah, I'm looking at that image right now. Uh, The Bali volcanic eruption from uh, 5p is absolutely stunning. Just looking at the trail as well that you can see, uh, the uh, uh, pollutants going across some of the other islands. I think, think, like you said, it's going to be an absolute uh, game changer in terms of getting people to not only think about the environmental impacts of various different things. So at the moment, this is concentrating on a natural disaster, but I'm sure it'll be picking up all sorts of um, similar pollutants coming out of sit- large cities and things like that um, and really get people aware of the planet. And I think that's that's the strength of all this satellite data, whether it's from commercial satellites or from, from some of the uh, non-commercial ones that more than ever, people are becoming aware it used to be that i would say "Oh, i I deal with satellite imagery and all they would ever think of is oh you're like the guys on the weather um Um, yeah (laughs) and 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 now that people are always coming up to me and saying like oh yeah i heard about this copernicus thing or i heard about sentinel or they know what landsat is and yeah it's absolutely brilliant
0: i mean it's nice especially with this this image that the um resolution is good enough so you can get to actually, you know, you can pinpoint that it's come from this volcanic eruption, can't you? Rather than in the past, you get these uh, very, uh, what would you call them, like coarse images. Yeah, Um, definitely. You know, I'm sure you're as much as an enthusiast as I am of, you know, very beautiful, optical, geological, you know, your traditional um, remote sensing images. But now we're getting, you know, a whole spectrum of, uh, if that's the right word, of data, you know, we can do something with. And it's, you know, that if it just puts the seed in someone's mind that, that this is possible, it opens up, a, you know, a whole new channel of, 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 of not just business applications, but, you know, educational stuff. And, and yeah. I think that's fantastic. I mean, you know, if, when I was doing my um, geography degree or even all the way back to doing things like... GCSEs you, you, to be able to get that image to complement talking about a volcanic eruption would have been would have been, you know, amazing.
1: Yeah Oh, uh, So um, I was at a, an event yesterday uh, Geodata, so it's um, a big sort of trade fair uh, with side meetings that type of thing yep. and um, <clears throat> someone was talking about uh, how much pain and hassle people have about getting hold of imagery and and it was really interesting because I don't think there was uh, there weren't that many people in the room who were dealing with uh, satellite data and and raster data so a lot of them were either sort of your traditional gis users using vector data or they were people who don't use gis and they were sort of coming along to try and find out what what the new stuff uh, is in terms of all of the the new products coming out and that sort of thing. And it was interesting. There were a couple of us in the in the room who had been around for a while, and whilst those people newer to the to the sector were putting their hands up and saying, "Oh yeah, the, the data is t- too large to download, or it, it takes a while and uh, to to download, and we don't really know uh, which bit we we want to cut out," um, a couple of us were just thinking back to when Landsat wasn't even free and open. <laughs> You'd have to fill in a paper form, then sort of send that off, and you know maybe three or four weeks later, once the check had cleared, you'd get some, uh, something come through on, well, I think it was on LaserDisc when I first...
0: Okay, did. wow.
1: Yeah. So uh, And then you'd have the difficulty of, or it'd be on that tape, and, and you'd have to load it all up. So well, it, well, this is, it makes me sound like a right old <laughs> codger, but... It's amazing. I really can't stress to people how easy it is now to be able to find data, sort of view that data, create little um, snippets that you want, and then to share it with all the social media and everything else, and, it, and the, the sort of less restrictive licensing.
2: Yeah. So I again, mean,
1: these are all topics we'll get onto, I'm sure, at some point, because uh, both of us, I know, have lots of opinions on them. But
0: Well, I had, a, we had, a, I had an old colleague who, when we ordered data in the past, would drive... <clears throat> would go and drive to uh, the supplier and pick up the the data. <laughs> it, it, you know, I mean that that was considered economical at that point. Yeah, but, yeah. It was only only. Oh, it it's certainly within recent memory where you were paying, you know, seven hundred odd pounds per scene of Landsat data, and now, and now you've got this whole Temple stack. It's exciting, isn't it? It really is, and uh, the 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 Temple nature of of the data that you know this consistent how far back does it go 30 odd years isn't it you know you've got this great great breadth and depth of data that you can can draw upon yeah you know you do change detection on on one image or or you know sorry a pair of images or you know if you were lucky you know maybe four uh you know that, that would have been a huge cost you know trying to trying to sell the data in that sense so yeah programs like copernicus and the open policy of nasa usgs is is, is brilliant
1: yeah and i think from a, a technology standpoint as well because there's so much data out there it's forcing people to think of new techniques in terms of how to handle it and how to process it and how to well i was going to say how to move it around but it, obviously it doesn't move around we now start moving all of our analytical methods towards the data rather than moving the data towards our computers on our desks and things like that
0: yeah i saw i saw that um there was this conference in the states this Pe- pecora 20 and um the usgs landsat program uh said since 2011 the the the, e- the global economic benefit from opening up the landsat archive was 2.1 billion dollars uh, and uh, i saw this sort of stream of uh tweets saying it's probably a massive underestimate because you just cannot you can't quantify this this sort of stream of data that's out there, but it's a huge you, you know, huge return on investment. I I, I don't remember the, the numbers from the Copernicus. Yeah. But they say you you know well I think it's something like for every dollar uh, or every euro invested you get a ten euro return.
1: Wow, I mean that is just absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? And yeah. and what I, I love as well is the diversity in which people are trying to use these data.
0: So have you seen anything else this week? I, I came across this thing called Remap this week. Have you come across oh, that?
1: No, I haven't. What's that?
0: Um, it's a, a, an app that they've built, I think, in conjunction with Google Earth Engine. Um okay. My my plan is to mention Google Earth Engine as much as, <laughs> as I can <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in every podcast that we do. <laughs> this this Remap, uh, they are focused on uh, large scale ecosystem mapping and assessment, and they they're. Um, their web map portal, uh, whatever you might like to call it, has the ability for you to build your own classifier. So you can build your own training set, set predictors, uh, you, you know, and then and then run the um, classification, and then export the data and get an assessment. And that's pretty cool, you, you know, all done in your browser. Um, so if you go on there, uh, it's remap-app.org/forward slash remap um it's i think it focuses on on uh it's an island off australia may well be kangaroo island Um, uh and then yeah you can play around but you can change your area of interest or or, all this all this stuff so what can you say the 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 old times of processing on your computer this could be a whole podcast in itself versus processing on the cloud or in the browser uh the pace continues to change and yeah. Go at a faster rate. I, I think there is a danger that you rush to the cloud to do things that you can ultimately do locally. And you you know you have to work out costs and all all this kind of stuff. You know obviously, but you know you've got to get a feel of what you're going to do, and then use the cloud to scale. That's where it's going to be. You know that's where it's really at, isn't it? You, you know that you can if you just want to process one image, then you know you can probably just download it. And yeah host it locally, but if you want to process a whole temple stack, google Earth engine will <laughs> will perhaps be uh, the uh, the way I, I would encourage people to look at the moment
1: i i agree i think it certainly was very impressive when I saw um, a demo of it the other week and just I, I think it still needs maybe a few additional tools in there for um, being able to process up or pre-process up some of the imagery. Although maybe, again, that's where I need to change my my uh, my mindset and look at it as a basically a new type of data rather than thinking of it as traditional um, satellite data, this this web-enabled data set where you can process up the entire globe in, I don't know, a couple of minutes, it seemed. Um, you just have to approach it in a different way. And I, I suppose yeah. the the web developers out there will be approaching it in a different way. They don't necessarily need to know too much about bands and um, repeat times and everything else. They just have this data shoved in front of them with an API and they can crack on.
0: Yeah. but there is a danger in that, isn't there? Oh yeah. What I really like about it is it's the rapid prototyping. You know, you might have an area in, in let's say in Cornwall where you want to look at um, a, a certain type of, land use or vegetation cover, or whatever and you want to see it change over time then the quick it's so quick to do that and you know it's it's not you don't need you don't need super programming skills or anything it's a pretty
1: yeah exactly a couple couple of javascript lines and that was it it seemed
0: yeah and the python library is they've deliberately written it so it it, it's almost call for call so you, you know you just have to import the earth engine library so yeah it's pretty pretty smart stuff as well that Morocco had just launched its own satellite these are sort of state satellite things I think uh, has Nigeria got one I seem to think they might have
1: yeah they've had one for a while I hadn't realized Morocco had got one as well
0: yeah 8th of November apparently I think that went up okay what do you think about that you you know these
1: well it's good in terms of um, I think the fact that more and more countries are seeing the benefit of, of space but I I am a little bit concerned about the amount of space junk that gets reported as being up there and it's only going to get worse the more things that get shot up there. I'm assuming and I might be wrong that someone's on top of all this isn't only monitoring it but is also trying to do something about it but yeah I think generally lots more data is a good thing particularly for people like you and me.
0: I mean you know the the whole is like the whole topic of amount of things in space is quite an interesting topic isn't it i mean i've seen uh, you know visit in terms of visualization or you know trying to communicate that it's quite difficult isn't it because they're such small objects in relation to you know the size of the planet so when you put on the broad reach of of you know of these satellites you can you know even if you put them all as a dot it would look like it was so dense that that, you know, it was just, you know, a total accident waiting to happen. But I think in reality, and I'm not basing this on any any fact at all, but I I think, you know, it's the equivalent of maybe, uh, in some cases, uh, a bus in London versus a bus in Oxford, you know, distance apart, potentially. The chance of them colliding into each other is, as you say, we would hope it would be managed. Maybe, maybe we'll get someone on. Who uh, yes. <laughs> knows about this stuff?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that would be quite good.
0: Yeah, a, a, a guest person that we can fire these questions to. I mean, you know, they're important things to know, aren't they? I and mean, it's it, it is all part of the the world. I mean, I I like that it's in space. I like all this stuff. I like that. Um, I like the story behind it. But uh, I was at level thirty nine last night. It was a catapult co-sponsored event, and um, I was talking to a, a few people. And and you know, this it's nice this this idea of space, but but really, I, I think we don't want to fool ourselves. We're, we're geospatial people. We're people. You know, it's the it's the location of this data and extracting its value in in where it is is yeah. a critical thing, and. Yeah, you can talk about the upstream and the downstream and the, the, the market of Earth observation, in, you know, in terms of its broad reach of, of, of space in its sense is such a small component compared to telecommunications and um, navigation that we're almost... We're not helping it ourselves, potentially. It's great to talk about rasters and stuff like that. It sort of brings it, a, a, you know, a little bit more into the geospatial perspective. This is the data. We're most interested in the data. Uh, trust that it comes from space i love this idea of looking at satellite data without actually looking at satellite data and and you know getting a a a graphic a graph a number a spreadsheet whatever whatever is um the most amenable way to consume the information um to an end user they have to trust the data of course and you know you can go you can always go back and that that's one of the great things about satellite data isn't it it's it's totally uh, unbiased, and you know, there's a loath to say auditable, but there's a there's a record that you can go back and look at. Yeah, are, this yeah is, exactly. This is this thing that we are detecting. This is the sand dune. This is the uh, we can we can actually look at the the house that's been built if you've got very high resolution data. So, yeah, that kind of stuff is is nice.
1: Definitely, and the thing I li- I like about uh, satellite imagery as well, and and aerial and UAV is. It's basically data reuse, and this is definitely something I want to talk about on a, f- a full podcast rather than just something now, but it's being able to take that one image and use it for multiple purposes so you know you might be looking at um say the shrinking and growing of a reservoir, but at the same time from that image that has the reservoir in it in it, you can look at how roads are developing or you can look at the health of trees and and agricultural produce and all sorts of things I think we should probably wrap up there because we've been going on for quite some time and if you have any suggestions about what you'd like to hear um, or any websites or data types or services anything like that that you want us to talk about then get in touch
0: we need to we need to have a hashtag you could just find us on twitter that that would be you know oh be uh, yeah okay us. so uh, i'm map andrew map underscore andrew and you are
1: ajg jogger so that's G e o g e r
0: for George. And we'll try and put the links that we talked about on Twitter, probably. If, if anybody wants to come on and guest speak for a little bit, that would be great, <laughs> wouldn't it? We can perhaps have a five-minute segment. You don't have to be specifically involved in space. You can you can just be curious about space or spatial. Or yeah, that'd whatever. be cool. And you know, just an end user would be it would, would would be brilliant. But yeah, I'd I'd, I'd love to see that uh, or talk about that. Okay, cool.
1: This podcast isn't sponsored by anyone. This is just something we're doing off our own bat. So any companies and products and things that are mentioned, they're not sponsoring us. It's just cool stuff that we've seen. And all opinions are are our own. Yes. So I get that out there.
0: And, you know, you have the permission to change those opinions as time goes on.
1: Exactly.
2: Are you happy? And I just drove away